Thanks for tuning in to the Crew at UGA podcast. We are so glad to have you with us. Crew exists to call students to know God, grow in their faith, and go to the world. If you would like to get more connected with Crew at UGA, or if we can help you in any way at all, go to the show notes and click on the link, or follow us on Instagram at Crew at UGA. All right, let's get started. I'm really glad y'all are here tonight. I know tonight is a big night. Go Braves. And uh, trust me, I, uh, I will not judge you if you check the score during this talk. But just keep it, keep it minimal. Keep it brief. Um, but I really am glad y'all are here tonight. Whether you're a first time or you come all the time, uh, I'm glad y'all are here. And so with the exception of last week, whenever our friends from the traveling team came, um, since the start of the semester, we here at Crew have been journeying through uh, different accounts or encounters with Jesus in the New Testament. So that's what we've been doing. If you missed any of those, they're, they're on our Crew at UGA podcast. You can listen back to that. Um, but starting tonight to the end of the semester, we're going to be switching gears just a little bit. So we are going to be jumping into the Old Testament. And so if you look at your Bible, there are two main parts. There's an Old Testament and a New Testament. Um, and, but, but it's still one book. It tells one story. Um, all getting to, from cover to cover tells one story. And so we at Crew we want to touch on both parts and, and teach from both parts um, because they're both God's inspired word and we think it's important. And so starting tonight, we're starting a six-week series um, called God's Playlist in the Old Testament book of the Psalms. Now, you may, some of you may be familiar with the Psalms. Some of you may not be, and that's okay. Um, some for those who are maybe familiar with the Psalms, uh, here's some popular Psalms. You've got Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's a Psalm um, in this book. Another uh, popular Psalm is Psalm 139, for you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, O God, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That is a Psalm. Um, and so if you're, if you're not familiar, that's okay, because our hope, to not, uh, hope tonight and in the rest of the series is that as we journey through this book, our hope is that whoever you are, God will show you the beauty found in the Psalms and also the usefulness in the book of Psalms for your, your life and your relationship with him. And so tonight what I'm going to be doing is, is kind of setting up our series and then digging into a psalm um, towards the end. And so I want to pray for us before we get started and then we'll jump in. God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for bringing us here. Um, God, I'm thankful that, um, that we have your word. Um, Thank you that it, it is, it's ours, that we can, we can, we can read and, and talk about. Um, Psalm 19 says, the, the law of the Lord, your word is perfect. It revives the soul. Your words are more desired than gold, sweeter than honey. God, we want to experience that word tonight in our lives, in this room, and in our hearts. And so, God, would you do that? Would you open our, our eyes and our hearts to uh, experience what you have for us as we open your word and God, I do pray that, that as I talk, um, that you would be made much of, that you would increase, and for that to happen, I must decrease. And so, God, use me, um, but speak through me, and, and give everyone here exactly what they need through your word. So we love you, and we trust you. Amen. All right, starting off tonight, I want to ask this question. What is your favorite song? What's your favorite song? Think about it. This could be a, an old classic favorite song, or maybe a new favorite and as you think about your favorite song, why? Why is it your favorite song? Just think about, just, think about that just a little bit. What is your favorite song and why? 
You know, imagine if we were to break up in groups right now and talk about this, we'd hear a variety of answers of what songs people love, but also a variety of reasons of why we love the songs that we do. Uh, maybe for you, as you're thinking about your favorite song, it, it has a lot to do with the, the lyrics or the subject matter of the song. Maybe for you, it, it has to do with the genre or style of music. Maybe that's why it's your favorite. Maybe for you, it's, it's, your, um, your, your, uh, it's the artist that you love so much. Or maybe the instruments used uh, to produce the song. Or maybe it goes a little bit deeper. Maybe it has more to do with the feelings that are evoked as you listen to that song. What maybe the memories that come up for you as the song is played. Maybe the, the fondness of a specific time or place, people or experiences that are associated with that song. Maybe for you, there's a lot of those reasons all bundled up in one. Because here's the thing about songs. They hit us in different ways, for different reasons, at different times. Songs, they are multidimensional. Songs, they have the ability to tap into our whole self. Listening to music isn't just a cognitive exercise, but it's a felt experience, right? You know, when we hear that favorite song, it activates our heads, our hearts, our bodies. As we experience the inexplicable beauty of music. So I've got a few friends here in Athens that are uh, musicians, very talented musicians. And as I was preparing for this talk, I just wanted to throw a question their way. No context, I just threw it their way and said, hey, answer honestly. What is it that you love about music? I'm going to read some of their responses because I think they're really cool. So one friend said, there's a lyricist named E.Y. Harburg who wrote Somewhere Over the Rainbow. He said, words make you think a thought. Music makes you feel a feeling but a song makes you feel a thought. A song is the perfect vehicle for connecting our brains to our hearts. Another friend said, I love that music gives a voice to all those emotions you can't find the words for. Connecting people to stories and feelings that they didn't know they could care about. Another friend said, I appreciate how things that are hard to say or express in plain language can be expressed poetically in less common language. You can use sound and poetry to define feelings that are hard to define. Another friend said, music is able to express and evoke emotion unlike anything else. Music has an ability to resonate deeply within our innermost being as humans. It touches something deep within that we can all resonate with whether that's joy, happiness, sorrow, serenity, anticipation, apprehension. A couple more. A friend said, music is healing. I love this. As it is a tangible product of life experiences. And lastly, a friend said, I love the relationship that music forms between the people who play together. As you all create beauty, it's a form of connection you'll always have with those people. I love that. I love that they took the time to answer my question unprompted. You know, you may resonate with some of this. I know I do. Songs and music are such a beautiful and wonderful gift to us. They connect us to our heads, our hearts, our bodies, and to one another. 
Now, you may be wondering why I started this way. <laughs> I know this, this sounds more like a TED talk on the beauty of music rather than a normal crew talk. Uh, but here's the reason, especially as we start our series. We have to start our series by acknowledging this. The Psalms are songs. The Psalms are songs. Every one of them. And because they are all songs, the experience of the beauty of music that we've just been thinking about, that we've just been talking about, this experience awaits us as we open this book called the Psalms. In fact, this is what God intends for us as we open this book called the Psalms. So you see the very Hebrew word for psalm, it means song, song of praise. That's what it's That's what it means. The Psalms, they're ancient songs from God's people for God's people. The Psalms are wondrous wondrous works full of poetry and metaphor and imagery. The Psalms, they were written to be sung individually, privately, but also corporately together as a group of people. That was their intention. Every single Psalm, all 150 of them in here is a song, and that means that every psalm is a gift to us. You see, the psalms, they, they are not meant, they were not only meant to be read and thought about with our heads, but they were intended to be felt and experienced in our hearts. Yes, we absolutely learn a lot about God, about humankind, about life and the way it should be lived in the Psalms. But the Psalms are not meant to be used as a theological textbook to stoically sit by and study. No, they were given to us by God to stimulate our imagination, to stir our emotions, and to move us to thoughts and actions that honor God. This is their intention. And as Psalms, we also see that in this book, it's full of the fullest range of human experience and emotion. You see, John Calvin, he was a theologian during the Protestant Reformation. As he was writing his commentary on the Psalms, said this, What various and resplendent riches are contained in this treasure, the the book of Psalms, it were difficult to find words to describe. I have been wont to call this book, not inappropriately, an anatomy of all parts of the soul. Basically he's saying, if I could rename the book of the Psalms, this is what I would name it, an anatomy of all parts of the soul. For there is not an emotion of which anyone can be conscious that is not here represented as a mirror, a mirror to the soul. You see what this means is that we don't only find glorious truth about God in this book, But in this book, we find expressions of our very own human emotion. Maybe those emotions you don't think God can handle or aren't appropriate as a Christian. They're all here. Whether that's joy, sorrow, thankfulness, and even anger. They're all in this book. And so this is our starting point. The Psalms are songs. But not only are they songs... The Psalms, all 150 of them, are prayers. The Psalms are prayers. The words on these pages are inspired prayers 
to God from God's people. You see, prayer is, prayer is talking to God. Prayer is how we can experience a close and intimate fellowship with God, our Creator. And as we look in this book of the Psalms, you can see they reflect this. All of the psalmists lift their voice to God. All psalms are addressed to him because it's him that we were made to have fellowship with. We were made to talk with him. And the psalms show this. And so every single psalm in this book, as Eugene Peterson puts it, every psalm is a useful tool for us in our desire to have close fellowship with God. Every psalm is meant to be for us to be prayed back to God in our relationship with him. You know, for me, I would say that my praying life is, uh, is never what I imagine it could be. Oftentimes, my prayers are stale, they're short, they're highly me-focused. Oftentimes, I get stuck praying, feel like I run out of things to pray about. But this book of Psalms, it helps me pray. As I open it and I feel stuck, I can pray these words back to God. That's what they are intended for. When I feel stuck, weak, and unable to pray like God wants me to, I can use this book called the Psalms. And so can you. And what I love about the Psalms so much is that there's a variety of them (laughs) that we can use. You know, I remember when iPhone was coming out and it was a little catchy saying in all the commercials that there's an app for that. Basically, it was saying that with this new iPhone, there's an app designed for anything you want to use your iPhone for. That's the Psalms. There is a prayer for that thing in your life. There is a psalm for that in this book, which is just really cool that God would give us that in our relationship with him. And so what this means is in times of joy, there is a psalm of praise to be prayed. In times of sadness, there is a psalm of lament to be prayed. In times of being made aware of our sin, there is a psalm, multiple psalms of confession that can be prayed. And what happens as we use this book, as we pray, it strengthens our prayer life and it, it grows our heart for God and our fellowship with Him. And so this book, this book is God's playlist He gave it to us to use, to enjoy. This is a collection of songs he wants us to enjoy, to experience in our heads, in our hearts, in our whole selves, and to sing back to him in prayer. And so in this series, what we're going to be doing is we're going to see psalms. We're going to be going through psalms that that inform us a lot about God, who he is, what his heart is like. There are going to be psalms that we see that address and help us tap into real human emotion like fear and anxiety, sadness and sorrow. They're going to be psalms that are going to help us pray. And on the very last night, the, the week right before Christmas break, we're going to be looking at a psalm of praise. And during that time, we're going to be having an extended time of prayer and worship together in this room. And so as we begin this series, as we start on this series, I want to encourage you to bring your whole self to the psalms. You know, there could very well be two categories of people in this room. Those who experience life with God in their heads as thinkers. And those who experience God more in their hearts as feelers. For the thinkers like me, 
who love theology and, and love thinking big, lofty thoughts about God, which is great. What would it look like for you to let those thoughts about God stir your emotions for God? What if through the Psalms you slowed your mind down, you allowed yourself to feel your feelings, and you experienced God emotionally and cognitively? What if? And for the feelers, what if through the Psalms you brought your emotions to God and you became more aware of how he relates to you in your emotions? And what if by learning about the person and nature and work of God, you let his truth be the ultimate reality that guides your emotions, guides the way you live, instead of letting your emotions guide your thoughts of him and guide the way you live. This is what's available for us, all of us. The Psalms are given to us for us to know God, experience him, grow in our understanding of him, but also in our love for him. So this is what we're up to. This is what we're after in the series. Now, we haven't even opened the Bible yet, and so we need to do that uh, together. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to be looking, we're going to be looking at Psalm 1, very first Psalm. It's going to be on the screen, um, but you can look at it on your phone or your Bible if you'd like. I'm going to read it for us, and then we're going to talk about it a little bit. So here it is. Blessed is the man or person who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But their delight is in the law of the Lord. And on God's law, they meditate day and night. This person is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season. And its leaf does not wither. And all that they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. That's Psalm 1. That's how this book starts. Personally, this is one of my favorite psalms. I love it. And in the book of Psalms, there's a lot of genres or types of psalms. Uh, This is a psalm of wisdom. And so what that means is we find truth in this psalm about about what's real and, and wisdom for how to live life. But for the sake of tonight, as we really just get started on our series, without digging too much into this psalm, I do want to ask the question, why was this psalm put first? Why is this psalm first? It was not written first. So why is it first? Let's think about it this way. You see, in the Old Testament, God, he would meet with his people in a temple. His presence would dwell there, and and in the temple there would be a sanctuary where the people of God would gather in. And as they would come in, they would sing. They would worship God. They would experience the joy of having fellowship with God in the sanctuary. Literally, praise would fill the sanctuary of God's people enjoying him. So have that picture in mind. The, the, The temple, the sanctuary where God's people are gathering to sing. Now... I want you to imagine with me that this book called the Psalms is that place. The sanctuary of God filled with the praises and worship of God's people. So, Psalm 1. 
could be called the doorway into that place. Psalm 1 is the door that every single person must walk through to come into the house of God and experience Him. Scholars put it this way, Psalm 1 is the gatekeeper to the house of God. Maybe a more familiar metaphor is this psalm, Psalm 1, is the admission ticket into the concert hall. Psalm 1 is the VIP pass to meet the artist. Psalm 1 is the access code needed to enjoy the playlist. Here's how. You see, you may have picked up on it as we were reading it, but the big idea of this psalm is that there are two types of people, right? There's the righteous person and the wicked person. The psalmist is just comparing and contrasting the two. He's saying this is what a righteous person's life looks like, and this is what a wicked person's life looks like. But what he's referring to is not so much about the outward expression and experience or looks of these people. It's, it's deeper than that. It's inward. He's referring to the condition of their heart. You see, the wicked person isn't someone who just goes and does wicked things. No, at their core, their heart is wicked. It's broken. It is without God. This is someone who has no love for God. This is someone who, whose mind and heart isn't fixed on God. They don't live to please or honor God. They live to please themselves. Life for them tends to go from bad to worse on this trail and this results in a meaningless life and a futile existence where they will spend eternity away from God. That's the wicked person that you see in this psalm, but the righteous person is just the opposite. The righteous person, their heart isn't broken, but their heart delights in God. This person sets their mind on God. They meditate on God and his word day and night. This person lives a life to please God and they flourish like a tree planted by streams of water. This person does experience true joy, both now and for all of eternity, being with God. And so if this is what Psalm 1 teaches us, then why is it first? Here's why. Psalm 1 was put first in this book to show that before anyone can come in and experience the presence of God, they must check the condition of their heart. That's why it's first. If Psalm 1 is the door, if Psalm 1 is the gatekeeper, if Psalm 1 is the admission ticket to the rest of the book, it is clear that only the righteous person can come in and enjoy fellowship with God. Enjoying God with the head, the heart, the whole self is not and cannot be for the wicked person whose heart is far from God. It doesn't make sense. This is why it's first. This is why it sets up the rest of the book. And so before we can go on any further into this series in looking at the Psalms, the question is, what's the condition of your heart? What is your heart? Is it far from God or does it delight in God? As a mirror and as a guide, Psalm 1 confronts us 
as we stand at the door and demands that we answer that question. What is the condition of your heart? You see, for me, if you're like me, it may sound like a tough question. <laughs> you know, if I'm honest, I would say, you know, sometimes, yes, yeah, sometimes my heart loves God, delights in God. Sometimes it feels so far from God. It doesn't feel like there's any delight in God. But that's not a sufficient answer. The, the question isn't, how do I feel at a given time? The question isn't, how do I survey my life? And see how does it fit. No, that's not the question. The question is asking, really asking, what is the source of your righteousness? Of you being righteous? Or rather, who is the source of you being righteous? To have fellowship with God. You see, Psalm 1 answers that question too. See, a couple weeks ago, I was meeting with a guy I, I regularly meet with um, that I disciple, and I just wanted to pick his brain a little bit on Psalm 1. Uh, I put it before him and said, hey, read this. Let's talk about it. What do you see here? What resonates with you here? And we read it together, and his first answer literally was, in this psalm, I see Jesus, the only true righteous man. See, he was right. We see Jesus in this psalm. You see, Jesus, when he lived, he told his disciples, his followers, that all of Scripture, including the psalms, especially the psalms, points to him. The psalms are about him. You see, Jesus, he is the only righteous person to ever live. The one whose heart was pure. Jesus fully delighted himself in God, his Father, delighted himself in God's word day and night. Jesus, he lived a life to please God. And he flourished in everything that he did. And he did so without sin. And Jesus, he laid his life down so that we, the wicked in heart, that we wouldn't be doomed to perish, but that we could have life in him, that we could have his righteousness. See, 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, For our sake, God made him, Jesus, the righteous one, to be sin, though he knew no sin, so that in Jesus we sinners, the unrighteous, might become the righteousness of God. This is why Jesus came. This is what he did. Through Jesus, those who are wicked in their hearts, who are far from God, can get new hearts and who can be brought close to God. Jesus Christ is our only source of righteousness. So that means that regardless of our good days, regardless of our bad days, we can come and stand at the door of Psalm 1 and say, if I've trusted Jesus, then, then I'm a righteous person because of him. And because I'm a righteous person, I can experience what this psalm has for me. I can delight in God. I can live a life that pleases God, not trusting in my righteousness but fully depending on his. Jesus, as the true gatekeeper to the house of God, he looks at us and says, through me, come on in. Your songs, your prayers, your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions, they're welcome here. You, my son, my daughter, you are welcome here. Come in. 
So as we close tonight, you see the invitation and the necessity to come to Jesus is here. If you haven't trusted Jesus, trust him tonight for your source of righteousness. You cannot go through life without him. But with him, you can experience joy. You can have everything that you need and more, both now and for eternity. He wants you to come to him. And for the rest of us, what would it look like? Just imagine, what would it look like if we became the people of Psalm 1? What additional wisdom and direction is in this psalm of wisdom for you? Think about it. Ask God. There's certainly a lot here, but I think as we close, I just want to, let's do one thing. The first word of Psalm 1 is blessed. That translates to happy. You see, happiness, joy, is what we have because of Christ. It's ours. And so tonight, let's, Close by singing, by expressing our joy that we have in God through Christ, who welcomes our songs, who welcomes our prayers, who delights in calling us his own. Let me pray for us. God, we stand at the door of Psalm 1 saying, we are not righteous on our own, but through your Son we can have access to you. And the rest of what the Psalms offers us. The rest of what life offers us. So with gratitude, we, we come. We, we sing. We pray. We lift our hands. We enjoy you together. God, I pray for the person, people in here that haven't trusted you. God, Holy Spirit, would you, would you reveal to them their need for you and bring them to yourself tonight? And God, for, for those who are walking with you, who know you, would you show us what it means to become the people of Psalm 1 and really to become the people that represent the sanctuary of God, singing, enjoying you with our heads, our hearts, and our whole being. We love you and we trust you tonight. Amen.